The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 143rd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. It's been really quick since we've already re-met, each- re-met up again since we did Revolution, but Floyd, I'll ask you again. How you doing, man? Detroit wrestling. I'm going to Detroit for wrestling, so I'm doing pretty good. Woo! Uh, I got like my next three months, April, May, June, are gonna be so freaking busy that I'm like gonna be gone everywhere. FTR just announced that they're gonna be doing uh independent wrestling shows. So the day after my birthday, June 11th, they are going to be in West Virginia. Uh, with wrestling the American uh, Wolves with uh, Dennis Condry in their corner. And if you Damn. ever uh, follow, if you follow Dax, who I you know, pretty much follow all the time, this man loves him some Dennis Condry. The only person that he loves more than Dennis Condry is probably Brett the Hitman Hart. So that's going to be cool to see. And so I will be driving from Oklahoma to St. Louis because my grandma's birthday is the day before mine and she turns 90 this year. And then uh, the day after my birthday, I will be in West Virginia watching FTR against the American Wolves. I am very excited about that. So my I mean, news just coming. I keep adding dates. I need to, I need to subtract some dates. <laughs> Well, don't subtract Detroit because that's going to be a hell of a show. But we are not just joined uh, just by us two. We have our good friend Jr. from the Trick or Treater podcast. We have him joining us. Jr. Man, how you doing? I am uh, doing well. You know, I, uh, as the as things are getting better across the United States and uh, restrictions are essentially being fully lifted across all fifty states. I'm starting to feel like more productive with my job and trying to plan my summer camp. So unfortunately, my summer is going to be booked with education. Well, fortunately, because I get to make difference in students' lives. But unfortunately, I will not be able to partake in many events this summer. So I'm happy that my boy Floyd can go out and see our favorite tag team, FTR, in uh, West Virginia. Because that is an amazing independent promotion run uh, that one of my good friends actually helps uh, uh, promote and produce. 
So um, I'm glad to hear that. Also, since we brought up Detroit, quick so shout out. I, you can give me free tickets, oh, right? I just want to throw that out there. You can give me free tickets. Uh, he's my boy, but he's not my boy, boy like that. But I want to say this because we talk about Detroit. I saw this amazing video from one half of the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley, who's the Impact. If you are not following Impact, watch it because they're doing some good things. And they had amazing back and forth between Alex Shelley and the Switchblade Jay White. Amazing promo. I can't wait to see where that feud goes. So if you haven't seen it, jump onto the YouTube and look up that uh, Alex Shelley and uh, Switchblade Jay White uh, back and forth they have this week on Impact. Yeah, shout out Motor City, Motor City Machine Guns all day, every day. I love that team so, so much. But we got a lot to talk about because, I mean, the day we're recording this, Rampage finished up just last night. So we're going to be able to go through AEW Dynamite and Rampage from the same week, actually, this time. So we're going to get through all of that. But before we get into the show... I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating, you can leave a review, and if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way to support us is on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other podcasts that they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And JR, we will throw it to you real quick. Plug everything where people can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lucha Professor. Uh, currently right now with our Trigger Treaters podcast or movies, we're currently taking a sabbatical for uh, due to personal reasons. I was out sick for a while and then... Uh, my colleague is, uh, you know, he's in the middle of uh, moving across states. So we hope to be back sometime in the spring. But that is our Trick or Treat podcast. It's at Trick or Treat Pod. That's at Trick or Treat Pod. So. All right. Well, of course, we got to get into the big news of the week and we can't hold it off um, uh, until we talk about that segment in Dynamite. But we have to talk about the fact that Matt Hardy, his brother, Jeff, has joined AEW. Jeff Hardy has become All Elite, and the Hardy Boys, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, has reunited for probably one last run in AEW. Huge moment, and we'll talk about the entire segment that happened on Dynamite with the debut. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I know myself, I was ecstatic when I saw it. It was one of the worst-kept secrets. I mean, Jeff himself even mentioned it off-topic, off like, when people asked him, he's like, oh, it's probably going to be an AEW. So it was about as worst kept of a secret as like CM Punk was. But you know what? Despite the fact the pop was still outstanding, it was still an incredible moment. Seeing them hugging in the ring, finally back together as the Hardys was outstanding. Um, I'm going to pass it to JR on his reaction to Jeff uh, debuting in AEW because we have a very specific reaction from our boy Floyd that I want to save for last. So JR, what was your reaction to when Jeff arrived in AEW? Uh, it's kind of hard because we all expected this. So like, that surprise was already, like, broken. You know, I, I've read, you know, some of the... That Jeff Hardy did an interview that said he was coming. It was so great to see the pop, though, because there are a number of Jeff Hardy fans, a number of Hardy Boys fans, um, going back to when they kind of became a big deal, which was, I think, we we found out before we got on is like they started around 98 when they kind of they had their feud with the with the brood and the, during the attitude era and then just kept taking off and 
So it was good. I'm just going to be completely honest. I've never was a Hardy Boys fan. Um, I like Jeff more than I like Matt, but I just never was. I was more of a Dudley Boys fan during that whole, you know, Edge and Christian, Hardy Boys, Dudley's, you know, few that they had for a while. And I, I can respect that he did things in professional wrestling and I respect that he has a big following. It just was never for me. Uh, I think I'll sum it up with this is I don't know what their plans are in AEW. Uh, obviously, they're going to definitely tag together whatever the, the dream matches they want to do. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is I think when we get to nostalgia and everybody knows I'm a sucker for nostalgia, uh, I think people are expecting these 1999 classics and they need to remember that our these guys, you know, the Hardy Boys are. 20 plus years in the business and temper those expectations on what could potentially be given. So while you may expect this barn burner eight star classic with the young bucks, it's kind of just bring things down to a little bit of reality because they are older. They've had numerous amount of injuries, especially, you know, Matt Hardy, we've, we've detailed injuries. He's accumulated just even AW alone. So that's my only thing happy for them, but let's temper the potential expectations we have for them. All right, then we'll go to Floyd then. So this isn't too off. This isn't too often from what Jr. just said. Jr. is the guy on Twitter, temper expectations guy. I've never understood why people have felt the need to temper people's expectations because you know what? It's not going to do anything. Everybody's going to expect them to be the same way forever. Okay, and that's my thing with Jeff Hardy. I am forty-one years old in June. I have been watching wrestling all of my life. This is like my third Hardy Boys reunion. Good Lord. They're like that old band that just won't go away. Like, dude, Jeff. I was like, man, go go away. You know, he's old and he jumps off of high things. That's pretty much what Jeff Hardy brings to wrestling. Uh, I mean, I like Sting. And uh, I like Sting. And he is uh, both uh, older and he jumps off of high things better. And then, you know, we got Darby Allen. It's like, what does Jeff Hardy really bring other than the name Jeff Hardy? And it's like, oh, the Hardy Boys versus this team. The Hardy Boys versus this team. As JR says, it's not going to be as good as anybody wants it to be. You're going to go and they're going to have a bunch of, they're going to get dragged to mid-matches. So, I don't know. I've never been a big fan of Jeff Hardy. I've been tired of Jeff Hardy for about 12 years now. I had about a three-month period where he was somewhat interesting when he was Brother Nero and Matt Hardy dragged him to interesting. I was always more, when my favorite member of Team Extreme, of course, was Lita, and then Matt Hardy was second, and Jeff Hardy was like a distant third. So I am really not excited. I know we are the proclivity for positivity, but yeah, that's not Jeff. Jeff's not someone I can be uh, very positive about. I am not and excited Austin. about him. <laughs> yeah, Austin. He he literally just said that Jeff Hardy, Shane McMahon. Oh my god! <laughs> he's like he's all the jumps off high things. That's what he just said. He just said Shane McMahon. Well, I mean, I listen. Like the Jeff Hardy hate from from Floyd, I can understand because it took this man so long to turn around with Darby Allen. This man took forever to get on. Like, cause I love Darby from his first ma- his first big match against Cody. But it, it took this man up until, like, now to be like, is Darby Allen one of my favorite wrestlers right now in AEW? And also, it took Cody leaving. So he only had to come to terms with that once Cody was gone. So 
the Jeff Hardy hate from him is not a surprise. But, like, look, again, I don't know how much longer these guys are going to be, like, doing stuff anyway. The fact that their possible last run is going to be in AEW, like, hey, I'm all for that. And, you know, I mean, again, these two guys have done so much for wrestling and they've done so much for the industry. And I, if those people are concerned about them taking a spot, like, first off, the AEW tag team division is stacked. Like, no one's going to be, like, there's still so many guys that are going to be fine despite the Hardy showing up. So, like, I think this is just a cool little moment. And then, again, like, for those people who are like, oh, AEW, like, all they do is cater to their hardcore fans. They're not doing enough to bring casuals in. Well, there you go. There's the fucking Hardy boys. Well, I will say this. Uh, yeah, uh, it, I don't know anybody that's going to be like, man, Jeff Hardy, let's go ahead and watch it. Uh, God, it was just. And then he did the dance. Oh, my God. I will oh, as that. he was coming down to the yeah, ring. Yeah, oh, my God. I was like, oh, dude, again, why I don't root for good guys. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, I guess if we get like Darby versus Jeff Hardy, I guess just Jeff Hardy. I mean, Darby will drag him to a great match because Darby's great. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm just like, even when I heard he was signing, when he got released, I was like, oh shit, 15th Hardy Boys reunion. You like this is their farewell in AEW until their next farewell tour in like five right. years. <laughs> no, like, right. they, no, but they they did say this. They're like, man, we're gonna have our farewell in WWE, and it's just like. <laughs> You'll believe it when you see it. Yeah, I believe it. They're never gonna retire. Matt Hardy is going to be tagging with his children. I also hope for Rey Mysterio. Uh, yes, but he had children much later in life, so he's gonna be like sixty when he's tagging with his children. <laughs> the, All right. the, what, I will say this, Austin, quickly. Wrap it up. The uh. The amount of memes that came out because of Jeff Hardy's dancing through yes. his brother getting his ass whooped that I saw on social media this week, priceless. Just yeah, good stuff that people were putting out there. I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. Sure. I mean, hey, look, these two brothers have not been the best of friends at points. So, like, you know what? Like, Jeff would be the kind of guy who would be like, yeah, I'm back, baby. Oh, yeah, my brother's getting my ass kicked. Like, I got to make sure he's okay first. But... Regardless, uh, we'll move over right now into the full AEW Dynamite uh, uh, review that took place from uh, Estero, Florida. We opened up with Chris Jericho coming out to the ring, addressing the fact that he didn't shake Eddie Kingston's hand after their match at Revolution. And Jericho was talking about how it was one of the greatest matches in his career. And even though I lost to Eddie Kingston, it was still one of the greatest matches in my career, maybe my best in AEW. And he wanted to thank Eddie because uh, he brought something out of Chris Jericho that I didn't think was still there. And I didn't live up to my word. I refused to shake his hand. I was frustrated. And I want to make it up to him. He beat me. He has my respect. I want to pay my debt to Eddie. So I want to apologize to him face to face. Eddie comes out and uh, Eddie Kingston, first off, shuts down a what chant. Fuck yeah, like to the to that man to be shutting down a what chant. And also, who the fuck is whatting Eddie Kingston? Who is whatting Eddie Kingston? You don't what Eddie Kingston. That's not a thing that you do. I love how he shut that down. And getting back into the actual promo, he talked about how uh, the Friday night before the biggest night of my career, he didn't want to show up because he wanted to go out and drink because Chris got into his head. He's lost to Punk. He's lost to Mox. He's lost to Miro. He's lost so many big matches. 
But the thing that gave him courage was when four separate people came up to him at FanFest and said they didn't end they didn't end themselves because they read his piece in the Players Tribune. And he cried in his hotel room because he wanted to make those people proud. And he's like, I hope I did make you guys proud. And the handshake wasn't for me. That was for you. Because what you what are you missing inside yourself that made you not shake my hand? Because that sounds like a Chris Jericho problem, not an Eddie Kingston problem. But no matter what anyone says in the back or on Twitter, you've proved everyone wrong because you're still number one. But is that enough to fill the hole in your chest? Jericho says he respects him, thanks him. Be honored if you forgot all that and shook his hand. He accepts the handshake, but then 2.0 and Daniel Garcia come out, swarm Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, Santana and Ortiz come out and even the odds. Ortiz gives Chris Jericho his baseball bat, and then Chris Jericho takes the bat and swings it at Santana and starts beating up on Pride and Powerful, and 2.0 and Garcia are beating up on Eddie Kingston. Jake Hager comes out looking like, what the hell are you doing? And then he attacks Ortiz. So Jericho, Garcia, Hager, and 2.0 go after Eddie Kingston and beat the crap out of him. And Jericho announces the Jericho Appreciation Society, and that's entertainment. Jericho has a brand new faction. The inner circle, as Jericho has created it at least, is dead. So we'll go to JR first, man. Thoughts on this whole segment and thoughts on the newly named Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, real quickly, I just want to say I have come to the realization that I think Eddie Kingston may be my favorite wrestler because I said this three times in a row from the his match at All Out with Miro, his match at Full Gear, and then his match at uh, at Revolution. I was like, that's. That's my favorite Miro match. That's my favorite Jericho match. And I realized the common denominator was Eddie Kingston. I was like, I think I just really like Eddie Kingston's style of wrestling. I think he's my kind of wrestler. And I just really enjoy him. Um, I, I think he's amazing. I, I that uh, I thought he did a great job. Of course, all the time on the mic. He's one of the, the best mic talkers in wrestling today. As far as the segment, I think... I said it before, I have no idea why Tony Khan gave Chris Jericho as an extension. He's a vile piece of shit. He's horrible. He's done nothing for Santana and Ortiz. He did nothing for Sammy Guevara for Inner Circle. Sammy Guevara was put over more by Miro and Cody Rhodes than Jericho ever did with the Inner Circle. He made Santana Ortiz mid as fuck. I'm so glad that they're out of the Inner Circle. This new group is a fucking human waste pile. I can't stand Jericho's ass. I can't stand Jake Hager's ass. 2.0, they're fine. They're, they're going to drag Daniel Garcia down. I can't wait for Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz to get together, create a tag team, create a new faction that's going to destroy this human waste pile that's the Jericho Appreciation Society and be able to get Santa Ortiz closer to the tag team championships, back to where they were before they got to AEW because of Jericho's bitch ass. And I'm done. Okay, that was uncomfortable. Um... <laughs> Hey, you just shit on Jeff Hardy. Don't give me shit for me hating on Jericho. Hey, let me tell you, Jericho is the reason AEW exists. He met, he dragged Santana Ortiz into all all sorts of main events, and you know he made them relevant even when they weren't in the title contention. Sammy Guevara is a TNT champion because it's Chris Jericho, and you know, and Jake Hager found his 
uh, found his role that he's been waiting his whole career for, oversized goon. Oklahoma's own Jake Hager. Just want to throw that out there. I love him. Uh, yeah. but He's spreading your fake news, but we'll, go, we'll talk about that for another day. Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, for us, you don't even have to be an old wrestling fan. This is probably in like the last 10, 12 years or whatever. There was this group that came from the original Nexus called The Core. And, yeah, uh, that's what this reminds me of. And The Core was not good. So... I, I do like Jericho, and he basically replaced uh, Santana Ortiz with two proud Canadian boys. And then he replaced, uh, you know, Sammy graduated, and he replaced him with Daniel Garcia. So the inner circle, the one of the original factions of AEW is dead. I think that's huge news. And birthed the Jericho Appreciation Society. I think he can do... For I could definitely think he can do for Daniel Garcia what he did for Sammy. 2.0 is a little I don't know if they're gonna. It's I don't believe this doesn't feel like a main event faction. This feels like a mid card heel faction. That's what it feels like. But if he can give a little, uh, Jericho's really gotten in shape. He's gotten abs. Got back in shape. Uh, so I think this can lead to some good feuds. And if this leads to JAS versus. You know, uh, Santana, Ortiz, and Kingston's group, maybe in the blood and guts or stadium stampede or whatever we want to do. I am looking forward to it. And look, I, I'm happy that uh, AEW has gotten behind Daniel Garcia in 2.0 to the point that they've paired him, paired them with Jericho, because I think that does good. That does great things for 2.0 and Garcia. Um but like you said, yeah, this is a this is core feeling. This is a little bit core feeling in terms of like, man. So we we killed the main group, and now we've completed completely made a, a separate group with one of the main members, and it's like, eh, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I know people have been doubting Jericho, but here's the deal. Um, at least this means I get a heel Jericho, which I wanted more than anything. I think Jericho as a heel is outstanding. And people have been really getting on Jericho for his most recent stuff, like what he did with the American Top Team, and just some of his most recent stuff, despite the fact that the Eddie Kingston match was really good. Like, people haven't been a big fan of Jericho besides the Judas song. So him being a heel, I think, helps Jericho significantly because, I mean, he's just better. He's just better as a heel. Um, I'm willing to let it play out and see how the Jericho Appreciation, Appreciation Society plays out. But I'm I'm at least hoping that like this does good stuff for Eddie Kingston because like uh, Jr. says Eddie Kingston's outstanding and I want nothing but the best for him. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what exactly comes out of this. But we move over I to I, I did want to ask you one question before you move okay. on, Austin. This for you, Music Man. Does he get rid of Judas? I that was, that was my question. Yeah, I mean I would hope so, honestly. Because I mean, like that's such that's so linked to his character that if he gets rid of uh, Judas, I mean it it out it's it's perfect heel work. You get rid of the thing that people love about you, and then like they have nothing to love about you, and then you're just everyone hates you for getting rid of Judas. So, um, and I think if him if he brings attention to it and he tear, tears down that song, it's like you guys don't deserve to like it's like i've got so many other songs and that's the only one you give a shit about like that's something that i feel like a, uh, as a as an artist he would be able to use as his heel character so he's like i'm gonna play like a different jude like, i would love it if he's like i'm gonna play a different fozzy song every single week i come out i think that would be really funny because like it would just 
add to that, like just like fuck you nature. But no, I it, for real, for real, I think that he won't be using Judas. At least I hope he the, does. The one thing I'll say though, because in all seriousness, is that Floyd's right. Is that this faction seems very mid, but the storyline and the potential let's say gimmick match that they could be building towards. Let's say if it goes towards double or nothing, while it may be a mid card feud could be a significant match on that card. Like I'll just throw this out there. You have Jericho Hager. You have five guys, right? And you have Kingston Ortiz uh, and Santana. They find two more guys, five on five T-Mobile arena is a big arena. I'm just saying blood and guts. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely an idea. That's definitely an idea. But moving over, we had an AEW World Championship match. Hangman Page defending the title only a few days after he defended the title at Revolution. And he defended it against Top Flight's Dante Martin, getting a huge AEW World title match. Um, he was the number two contender and got the match. Um, I know one of my good friends was complaining, of course, about the ranking system. Like, why is the number two ranked person getting an AEW world title match? And I'm just like, God damn, dude. Like, do you not realize how cool of a match this is, even despite the rankings? Like, what's the fucking come on? Like, you got a great match in front of you. Not everything has to be about the fucking rankings. But despite despite that, I thought this match was really good. Dante really worked his ass off. Um, and I love the little exchange after the match was over. Um, there was, um, just great work from Hangman, just be like really building up Dante, especially mentioning about the fact that his brother is back and being like, look, um, y'all are going to be going for the tag team titles again, I'm sure. And you're going to be outstanding, but you know what? Um, you, despite being that, like, if you want another singles shot, like, and you make it back here, uh, I'd love to do it again. And that's when Adam Colbebe comes out and then starts running his mouth and challenges him to a six-man tag match uh, next week on Dynamite. And he's like, you can choose any two goons you want, but I'm going to choose two guys of my own that know you better than you, and they're my friends, not yours. And he's not going to stop until he becomes Adam Colbebe, new AEW World Champion. So, JR, we'll throw it to you first. I I can never stop talking about how much I love Dante Martin. I think I'll say this all the time. He, in my opinion, is the best young prospect that I've seen since Rey Mysterio, going back to the mid '90s. Uh, I I must that is your future Ring of Honor World Champion Dante Martin right there. Just throwing it out there. We'll talk about that for a different day. But yeah, I love Dante Martin. I think they had a great match. He um you keep showcasing him in certain ways like this is that. This is the definition of a victory and a loss. So as far as moving forward, uh, the continued storyline for Adam Cole and and Adam Page, it's it's one of those things is that the one thing when you look at AEW and coming from somebody who to this day watches another promotion that has monthly pay-per-views, you always wonder what they're building towards. But that's very hard in AEW because they only have they only have quarterly pay-per-views. So you wonder, okay. What's the next, what is this going to lead to for as far as potentially a big dynamite match, baby battle the belt? So I'm looking forward to this next chapter. I've always felt that AEW has done a great job, you know, booking their heavyweight championship storylines better than anything else on the card. Not saying that they book other things bad, but 
that's the sometimes like 99% of the time they hit their cha- heavyweight championship storylines out of the park, um, in my opinion, since the creation of AEW. So I really look forward to where they're going with this at, you know, Page versus Cole storyline moving forward. Let all me right, we'll give it to Floyd. The, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to just jump right on in. But, uh, yeah, um, I like it. I mean, you Hangman was just going to keep running through challengers for a while. So you needed a repeat challenge in there. And a perfect kind of shit-eating, terrible heel is Adam Cole. So you can get two or three more challenges towards Adam uh, to Hangman Page out the way as you build to, because, you know, you have all the way to the end of May before uh, Double or Nothing, and I imagine he's going to keep the title till then just off the top of my head. So you're going to have to give him, he's going to need some time to fill that time in. So you throw Martin at him. Now you throw a Cole like, oh, I'm going to keep coming at you until you give me another title shot. You build to another big match with them, and then you can start worrying about double or nothing. So I think this is perfect. And yeah, the the teasing that it was going to be the Young Bucks was kind of cool. And I like the direction it went later in the episode, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, all right. Well, we got into now the first tag team match with the American American Dragon Brian Danielson teaming with John Moxley with William Regal at ringside facing off against the Workhorsemen JD Drake and Anthony Henry. Uh, this match was pretty solid. Uh, there was one spot where John Moxley tried to do a suicide dive and he kind of got tripped up on the middle rope and then didn't make contact too much. So it's a bit of a rough spot, but regardless, the match was still solid. Um, but honestly, the biggest focus is the fact of Tony Schiavone getting in the ring to interview William Regal. And this this segment with R- Regal was outstanding. He had a nice little moment of saying it has been 29 years since uh, they were in a ring together. And he mentioned how he's 53 years old. He's lived a hard life. But he uh, said, 29 years ago when I got here, you did something. You were someone that really helped me out. Uh, and I cannot. It's the first time I actually got to thank you on camera, Tony. Um, and he had he was getting a little choked up about it. And then eventually he talked about how, like, a couple months ago, I uh, checked out completely of this industry, but then he, someone told him his friend Brian Danielson mentioned him on Dynamite, and he had to go and watch, and he found out that his great friend Brian Danielson was going to go fight John Moxley, and he talked about how Brian Danielson and how they were men- they were known uh, uh, mentioned in Ring of Honor, and he said uh, Brian Danielson is the perfect wrestler. He's the wrestler that I should have been that I wanted to be. And he's like, you became everything I never could be because you don't have the problems that I have. But then he met 11 years ago, John Moxley and psychological and physical prod problems that we put upon each other. It would make the devil cry. And then he was like, these two are going to knock the stuffing out of each other. So what better than have the two perfect wrestlers to teach the next generation? So a warning to everyone who steps in the ring with them, you will not like the outcome. You'll either get step up or get stepped on. And this seg- this promo was outstanding. I mean, Regal's incredible. And like he even had he went on Twitter actually to apologize because apparently his promo, because it it was a, it got rambly a little bit, uh, went over time and kind of affected the show a little bit. So he went on Twitter to apologize to everyone that he affected about 
going over on time. And I was like, dude, that segment was one of the best parts of the show. Like, I'm, I'm, you could have talked for like 40 minutes and I wouldn't have given a fuck because, like, Regal, he's a legend and he really knows how to work a mic and he just has this presence. He has this presence with him. You, you, you are everything he says, you take deadly serious. So, I mean, the fact that this faction, this soon to be probably faction of whoever joins John Moxley and Brian Danielson and Regal, makes me so excited. But just even this tag team, like I'm so happy that we get this. They bled together and now they're teaming together, and these guys are gonna kick ass all over AEW. Um, and if the tag team division wasn't already stacked, I mean, you got Danielson and Moxley just deciding to team together, former AEW World Champion and uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a team that's going to put some fear into people's hearts. So, JR, thoughts on the short little match that we got, and then, of course, Regal's promo afterwards. Yeah, I mean, you have the constant professionals that are Moxley and Brian Danielson. You know, they could, you know, Brian Danielson could wrestle a broomstick and it could be a four-star match, you know. So, uh, it spotlighted them and did what it needed to do. Uh, as far the... The promo that came afterwards, uh, you know, the insider term is heavy when you, you know, when you go longer, you're going heavy. And so, but in this particular segment, I'm reminded of a match at WrestleMania 10, and it was Razor versus Razor Moe versus Shawn Michaels ladder match. That match went heavy at WrestleMania 10 that messed kind of messed with the show and ended up cutting a match. But when you say, okay, it went heavy, but show me where you are going to cut from this, like this promo, show me where you're going to cut from this promo, just like that match, that something was wrong, that it wasn't necessary, wasn't needed. It affected the quality of it because even though it may have went heavy, it was an amazing promo. So everything he said, I think it, it hits you in your soul. It hits you in your heart. You, you saw him, you know, had tears you sympathize with him, you empathize with him, and then when he turned it on, talk about Moxley and Danielson, and then the what the future is for him. You believe everything he said, and you held on to every word he said. And I thought it was tremendous. I actually, I think about William Regal's career and how he did not accomplish what he should have accomplished. You know, you we've seen everything he's done behind the scenes. You listen to his behind the scenes promo, and he's amazing. But it's like when you hear him, it's like, man, dude, that guy could have had a big run. And it's just, I, I hate that he didn't hit what he could have hit. Um, but he's a tremendous talent. He's going to do. You know, we talk about people being brought in, William Regal being brought into AEW, and you think about the young prospects like a Dante Martin, like uh, Will Hobbs. And he is going to make that company so much better because of how the influence he's going to bring to that that young talent. And he is probably, in my opinion, a top one of the top five most significant signings AEW has had to this point because of what he's going to do for them behind the scenes. As far as the future of Danielson and Brian, um, excuse me, Danielson and Moxley, excuse me. I don't, you know, we say we have to wait and see what's going to come out of this, but my expectation is I see them in a tag team title match at double or nothing. Yeah, I thought this was uh, an amazing segment. Um, I thought uh, William Regal 
brought uh, gravity and respect and uh, to his character. And you're like, you wonder how these two kind of, you know, very strong personalities are going to get together. You need kind of a stronger personality to bring them together. That was, uh, that's William Regal in this particular case. I love how uh, this is, this is my favorite son. This is the alpha of my eye. He's everything I should have been. And this one's just like me. <laughs> yeah. And he'll kick your ass. <laughs> and he's got the devil inside of him. It was just a way of saying it. It was like his his description of Brian Danielson was like a minute long. His description of Moxley was like 10 seconds. And that was it was hilarious. I don't know if he realized he was losing time. That's that's why he didn't go off on uh Daniel uh on Mox the same way, but it actually fit. Because Mox is as much of a no-nonsense. He doesn't want to hear all the glowing things. The fact that the biggest compliment that he could give Mox is that Mox tortured him. Uh, the fact that it went over, you know what? Shit happens in wrestling. I mean, shit, we went to All In, one of the best shows I've ever been to in my life. Okada and um, uh, Marty went over. It's Life happens, you know, and you adjust. And somebody had to lose a few minutes. All well. It's wrestling. You'll get over it. Yeah, again, it it didn't take away from the moment and it was still it was still a genuine my mic is screwing up for some reason. But it was genuinely a really great moment just seeing Regal cut such a great promo and yeah, like again, there are some great moments that go over on time. It doesn't mean that it actively ruins it. And I do think that like it's a class act by uh, Regal to even even apologize for it cuz I don't think a lot of people even noticed that he went over on time. So, regardless of the fact Loved this segment. Thought it was great. Um, and then uh, we had the Penta, uh, the the Penta Oscura team uh, outside with Pac. Pac facing off against Wheeler Yuta. This was the match that kind of was suffered a little bit with it being uh, at the promo going over on time. Um, and that's fine. Again, this is just a quick solo match between Pac and Wheeler Yuta. Like it, it didn't really have much story going into it. These two guys are good wrestlers, Pac especially, and I know Yuta continues to get better every day. Um, Pac was able to get the Brutalizer and win the match over Yuta. Um, so, yeah, again, like this, I, I, you would say this was the match that was affected the most with stuff going over on time with the, pro, the segment prior. Um, but, again, there wasn't really a ton of story going into this match to begin with, so it was. it's not a huge issue, I think, honestly. So, regardless, like at least they got on TV is all I can say. Is there anything else you guys want to add to this? I'm good. JR. Did we, did we lose JR? I think he's good. Uh, I, I, I'm good. I apologize. Oh, yeah. You're good. All right. We then had Adam Cole backstage with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole clarified who he was talking about uh, when talking to Hangman Adam Page. He said the perfect guys that live in his head rent free. And Matt was like, listen, listen, if it's against Hangman, we're done. Count us out. We don't want it. It's like, I wasn't picking you. I'm picking Red Dragon. And, of course, they're button heads with it. These two teams are not friends. And Adam Cole trying to make sure everyone gets along with his two factions that he's parts of. Uh, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, and then also, we'll move over to this. I need to talk to Floyd about this. But this was a segment with FTR. Uh uh, Dax was talking about uh, having uh, uh, personal issues, basically, of uh, what he wanted to do in AEW. And Tully was like, look, we're supposed to be going after titles. I don't care about this personal issues that you have, Dax. And Cash, like, 
immediately went and grabbed him by the uh, grabbed Tully, and then eventually they fired Tully Blanchard. FTR fired their manager, Tully Blanchard, the legendary Tully Blanchard. And Dax goes on Twitter and is like, "Hey Brett, you you available?" So I mean, I I mean, I'll go to Jr. first at least because uh, I'll save Floyd for last on this. Thoughts on FTR firing Tully Blanchard as their manager? You know, uh, Tully, the debate, and Floyd and I have had talked about this before, going back to when Tully was with FTR. I felt because Tully's, I don't want to say this like in a negative way, Tully Blanchard's status in professional wrestling, because he wasn't a part of a company, he doesn't have that same legendary status. I think from the from the fans' perspective as Double A, because of Double A has been that constant, he's constantly been in professional wrestling, never left. Totally retired. Yeah. Behind this, um, away. I think he was a minister, and so when he comes back, I don't think people see him in the same light as Art Anderson. So because of that, and he's an amazing heel, he could get those heel promos and get that heel, um, that heel respect. I can't think of the word. I hear an action from the fans. Um, so I thought he was a better manager for FTR than a potential Arn Anderson. Now, fast track moving forward to where we're at right now, I, I felt that this was a not a good way to end this because it's just, a sh- I just, to be honest, it felt like a shitty behind the scenes promo. And I want to see now that basically as we're, the pinnacle is going in separate ways, I think. Um, after what happened with MJF and Wardlow at Revolution, what is FTR's future? Because it's almost kind of like they sound a little bit babyface, and FTR is not a babyface tag team. So I wonder what is going to come of this, because I'm just shell-shocked at this point. Uh, I want to be clear. I love FTR and everything they do. This was the most confusing backstage segment ever to me. I don't really know why they fired him. I don't. Because he said they should be going after titles. Something that they literally say on Twitter every day. Huh? I didn't get it. I've watched it back two or three times. And I'm like, if there's a message there, it skipped over my head. I'm I'm like, getting rid of Tully's great. I even said uh, when I saw them at FanFest that I, I'm longing for the moment that we get the Young Bucks versus FTR and Bret Hart brings them out to the ring and they're all wearing Bret Hart gear, that you know, like the pink and black gear. That would be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I was very confused with this segment. I want to see where it goes, but it it looked like it was supposed to be something, and I think if maybe they – I don't know if it was shot live uh, or whatever – uh, or if it was pre-recorded, but it just looked like if it was pre-recorded, they should have done it again because I didn't understand it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it came off clear to everybody else. Yeah, I, I I'm interested in where it goes, but like yeah, the moment itself seemed kind of rushed. It seemed like they didn't. They this could have they could have done a lot more to really solidify this as a huge moment. Like the fact that he said you're fired, and then just we cut immediately back to in the arena i was like well hang on like that's a that's a that's a significantly bigger moment than you're giving it credit for uh because i mean literally that's the guy that Tully has supported since ftr has been here so like i i i was i was definitely like 
kind of thrown off a little bit uh, by how they did the announcement. But I couldn't hold on to that for too long because then we had the emergency meeting of the AHFO, which was the whole factor of big money Matt Hardy talking about how, like, I should, like, y'all are trying to kick me out of the AHFO and, like, I'm we're going to do a vote to make sure I stay in. Uh, private parties supported them until they turned their thumbs down with his with uh, Matt not noticing, and then they all jumped on Matt Hardy. Darby Allen and Sting came out to try to even the odds, but they still weren't great. And then that's when Jeff Hardy came out, and then they hit the swanton. He hits the swanton bomb on the blade, and Darby Allen is like completely just mouth agape. Darby is stunned seeing uh, Jeff Hardy in AEW because I mean, look, kindred spirits those two, but. That was the overall segment. I'm glad, like, I the moment that they showed, like, a AHFO was getting a legitimate segment uh, for Dynamite, I was like, oh, yeah, Jeff's showing up. Because, I mean, like, for the most part, no one cares about the AHFO. And the fact that they were able to get Matt Hardy out of that, and now it's just Andrade who's running this whole thing. Uh, I'm more comfortable with having Andrade having a group that is, like, he's paying for, to uh, work for him. I'm more comfortable with that. And... Honestly, Andrade is just in a position where I think he could he'll he'll shine more as like this kind of kingpin uh, character. Um, but yeah, this segment was still crazy. It was crazy when Jeff showed out showed showed up. Um, but I, I'm I'm glad at least that we got the whole Matt Hardy out of this AHFO uh, stuff because again, like he literally said, every time it seems like I put on a suit, I become an asshole, and I'm like, yeah, and I don't like that asshole. Yeah, this continues with his character changing depending on what clothes he's wearing. And that was a gimmick started on BTE. Uh, so I, I completely think this was like the coolest thing ever. And yeah, Andrade needs this. Andrade needs that group. Yeah, for sure. JR, you got anything to add to this segment or shall we move on? I... I hope nothing but good things for Andrade because I love him. But, man, he – I don't know if this is it for him. And he's sorely missing a Selena Vega-type manager. He, I, I'm just going to stop because if not, I'm going to keep stammering and stuttering for 30 minutes talking about how much it hurts Andrade. It hurts me to see Andrade book a certain way. The one thing I will say is that if – we do not get a Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen train wreck of a ladder match before Jeff Hardy's <laughs> AEW. Tony Khan will officially be the worst booker in professional wrestling history because that is the most easiest slam dunk layup I have ever seen. You can put that on a main event pay-per-view and people are going to come out in droves because they're going to want to see the carnage that those two bring out. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. But... We then had uh, Swerve Strickland getting an interview, uh, and uh, he was interrupted by Tony Nese. And his first uh, AEW, his debut match is going to be uh, was going to be on Rampage, and it was going to be against Tony Nese. So that was going to be exciting, and we'll talk about that when we get into Rampage. We then had an in-ring promo with Mister Mayhem, the face of the Revolution, Wardlow, and this was this was his babyface coming out moment where he talked about he spent too much of his life helping someone else. Help with their own dreams, but little did he uh, know that, like, at when he used to do that when he was younger, uh, he was walking out of one cage and walking into another one because he found himself helping Max fulfill his. And he said, "Like, listen, y'all have to forgive me for associating with such trash, but I grew up very poor, and at a young age, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler, 
because I fell in love with it, but I also knew it would be an opportunity to provide for his mother and his future family with a better life. And Max paid him well, but it didn't give him the right to threaten his family or to put his hands on him. And he's like, I'm still under contract, but I don't give a damn anymore. So at Revolution, it was my way of showing I'm no longer watching his back. I'm no longer a member of the Pinnacle. I'm finally free. And he's like, I hope you're intelligent as you claim to be, as intelligent as you are. You'll release me from this BS contract, and in return, I'll wash my hands of you. I would love nothing more to powerbomb Max into oblivion, but I refuse to waste another three years of my life on him. I'm not stopping at the TNT title after years of giving. It's time I take, and I'm going to be letting everyone know that this is AEW is now Wardlow's ward. Wardlow's world. And yeah, that was a great promo for uh, now babyface uh, Wardlow. I love the fact that the crowd is really behind him. And that that was a great babyface promo, honestly. And I like the fact that he's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I, if you release me from this contract, I won't go after you. And uh, that ain't going to happen. Like, listen, because we know that he's getting his TNT title shot uh, next week at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. Um, and I see a, I see a Max showing up and fucking that whole shit up immediately. But we'll go to JR first. Thoughts on Wardlow's promo? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Tony Khan just bought Ring of Honor. He can't buy Wardlow's contract from MJF. Just saying. Just saying. Um, you can't buy I, when someone's not willing to sell. Hey, fire that man then. You fire MJF. Uh, the one thing I'm going to... Uh, trying to be I'm trying to I don't like this for Wardlow because I think what makes Wardlow awesome is the fact that he's a monster and I feel like they're humanizing the monster it's something that was done I go back to 1994 what got the big daddy cool diesel over was he was a monster and then a a month later after winning the title He's wearing a Santa Claus hat and singing Jingle Bells at Titan Towers. And for me, in my opinion, let me preface that by saying that this is just one person's opinion. I'd rather him just kick ass and take names and keep that type of swagger instead of cutting babyface promos. I like my monsters to stay monsters and not be humanized. Yes, think about Warlow. I don't think, personally, he was ever a monster. Uh, the reason I say that, and it'll sound, it sounds weird when I say it like that, but he was always uh, presented as intelligent when he spoke, as smart, as uh, someone that can move the group, and as a part of the group, uh, even when they turned on, even when they turned on the inner circle. He was always there, and he was always, like, a step ahead, so... Yeah, I I mean, like I said, in my eyes, he was just never really presented as just a monster. He was always presented as more. And in this case, that's what he is. He's evolving. He's starting to look out for himself. He's going to chase he's going to chase the world title. It actually reminds me a lot of when Batista left Evolution. And it's just like he's on his own, the thumbs up, thumbs down thing. And I feel like, you know, Batista realized triple after what happened to Randy Orton that that was eventually going to happen to him by Triple H, so he stuck it solid in front. Uh, Warlow, after he got hit by uh, MJF, that knocked some sense into him 
in essence. And he realized, you know, he was never going to see him as an equal. He never was going to see him as a friend. He was always going to keep him underneath. So I am really looking forward to MJF and what I assume is an eventual, uh, uh, I mean, Warlow and a, a what I assume is eventual feud with MJF. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Oof. Yeah, no, and I, I saw I saw like in terms of a monster that was just a a monster, like just b- brutal monster. I see that more as like a powerhouse Hobbs, like you know what I mean. Like Wardlow, like they always they he was a monster, but they never really like made him seem like he was just this guy that was just like I mean like he'll power bomb you into the floor like repeatedly. But like they they had given uh, an idea of that like he was intelligent and he knew what he was doing and he was very much like there was more to him than just being a monster. So I don't think like them humanizing him is necessarily an issue. I get what you're saying. It would be better if they just like I think you you would like it better if you just didn't say anything and then would just start kicking the shit out of each other. I think that's if I'm being honest, I think that's like Roman Reigns backlash, like where we remember when Roman was this quiet simmering beast of a man when he was in the shield and then he comes out and he's cutting baby face promos and baby face promos that we thought was just dog shit um but you know i don't i don't think that's going to be the case with warlow just because i think they've already established that uh his character is more than just a quiet badass monster I and think he that, cut a hell of a promo I and he cut a good promo too yeah, yeah it was so good he showed he could talk so so yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it, but Jr. I understand why you might be. But we then had Keith Lee backstage with uh, QT Marshall, and uh, Keith was uh, told by QT like, "Listen, we have a common enemy in Team Taz. Like the factory has your back." And Keith just goes like, "I have a very large back. I am fine." And QT's like, "You'll pay for this. Fuck you." Like that's like you want to talk about ta- Team Taz being your enemy. That's Team Taz behavior of Taz being like, "You should join us." Nah, I'm okay. Well, fuck you. Like, that's very, very similar. Like, I think talking about kindred spirits, that's QT and Taz. I mean, that's literally like the exact same response that you would get if for something like that. But I don't know if anyone wants to talk about that. I think it's perfect. Yeah, I don't think think there's nothing to add to that. Nothing to add when we talk about QT, really. I think that's fair. But we then had the AEW World Tag Team Championship match between the champions... Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus facing off against the Acclaimed. And the Acclaimed, uh, really, they they had a couple moments where they seemed like they were all right in this match. But eventually, um, Luchasaurus just uh, had a standing mood salt that splashed onto uh, Caster. Um, they tried to get the uh, boombox involved, and uh, they had some close calls. But eventually, uh, the match itself would end with Bowens. Bowens tried to distract Aubrey. Caster went to hit him with the steel with a steel chain, but Christian uh, pulled him out of the ring. Eventually, uh, the acclaimed was able to win with uh, after getting hit with the, the acclaimed were able to were were pinned. The acclaimed were pinned by Jurassic Express when they hit the Doomsday Device, and uh, Bowens took the pin, and they once again retained their tag team titles after they did as well at Revolution. Um, solid match. Uh, got a nice "This is awesome" chant from the crowd, so it kept the crowd involved. I think Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are an outstanding tag team champions. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good match. I thought this was good. JR, we'll go to you on this tag team title match. The crowd loves Jurassic Express. I mean, the claim is a perfect heel team to make a babyface tag team go over um, because of Caster's promos and 
just that little bit of rub that um that Bowens gives at the end when he says the claim has arrived. So it was one of those matches that you want to have to send the crowd home happy. Uh, but I hate the big dumb dino. So I, I can't wait for a team to beat him because Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy beat um, Lucha Bros. And I'll never forgive him for it. Oof. Uh, I played. Um, yeah, this is a solid tag team match, solid defense to get to the next one. I thought it was a little quick. I don't know what they got planned, but I feel like this, like with the, how they booked the card, this match could have, they could have had a big tag team match next week. You know what I mean? I know they're going to be in the six man or whatever, but eh, I just felt like they just gave too much in the show after the pay per view that, and you know, and that's weird to say that, but it was just like there were so many title matches. It was just like. I was like, I feel like it got lost in the shuffle. Actually, when you brought it up, I almost forgot this match happened. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. Seriously, it was just like, oh. Oh, yeah, that match did happen. It was a really good match. Okay, but I didn't remember it. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's what you get when you get, like, a, a title defense match, like, a few days after the pay-per-view. It's like, you know, it's... It's nice to see them defend the titles again, but like again, there wasn't there wasn't much to latch on to besides the fact that Jurassic Express isn't an outstanding tag team champions and he claimed are great heel tag teams. So like it's it there wasn't much to latch on to, but the match itself was really good. Yeah. We then had the AEW Women's World Eliminator match between Layla Hirsch, the number one ranked, and Thunder Rosa, the number two ranked woman. And uh, this match was okay. I thought this match had some moments where it was a, a close in terms of like uh, either Layla not being able to fully rotate into a move or Thunder Thunder not being able to get her up fully. Um, they still made it look all right. And uh, Thunder Rosa got the pretty easy win over Layla Hirsch and uh, said that she would be facing after Tony Schiavone announced about uh, her her another another match against Dr. Britt Baker DMD for the AEW Women's Title. They would be defending the match, of course, in Thunder Rosa's hometown, and they would be defending it in a steel cage match. So we get to see Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, in a steel cage. Uh, I'm fucking ecstatic. I know, like, again, this is a uh, this is where Thunder wins the belt, the belt because I mean, like, they don't have any, they don't have as many uh, women to challenge Dr. Britt Baker for the belt when it comes to their baby faces. Uh, heel wise, they'll probably be able to have a little bit more people go after it. Um, and it's just like, again, like Thunder Rosa has been outstanding and I think she deserves the AW women's championship. Um, and to do it in her home, her hometown and win it in a steel cage, I think would be huge. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's a bit of a bummer that like, they don't have enough people that to really help to really challenge Dr. Britt Baker. It's they've kind of got like the Roman Reigns issue where it's like, yeah, she's great and she's outstanding and one of the best things in the company, but like we don't have enough people to challenge her just because we don't have enough challengers that we've established. So, but regardless, I think Thunder Rosa going after her in a steel cage will be a blast. And I think this would be the moment where Rosa wins the belt. And I think it will be huge. And I love Thunder Rosa. And I think it would be absolutely totally deserved. But uh, JR will go to you first. Um, Probably a month before Revolution, I had a conversation off the, off air with Floyd, and I said, Floyd asked me, what do you think is going to happen with the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match of Revolution? And I said, well, 
think what's essentially going to happen is that there's going to be outside interference and it's going to lead into a third match where Thunder versus Britt in a cage. And unfortunately, um, I believe it was Wednesday morning or maybe Tuesday night, Thunder, I think, accidentally tweeted that she was going to face Layla and the winner was going to face Britt in a cage match. So I think it kind of like... Um, and then after the match, you know, it was said, oh, Thunder's going to face um, Britt in a cage match. So I think it kind of was spoiled a little bit. As far as this, I think after Revolution, Layla had a big win over Statlander. I think it would have been better to have Layla get another victory over somebody else to help establish her as a potential challenger, as a heel challenger for if we're going to go with Thunder as a babyface champion for that, because it was already felt so predictable that Thunder was going to get the match against Britt. It would have made more sense to say, hey, let's establish Layla as a challenger, as potentially the first challenger for Thunder Rosa, and we'll do a segment where between Thunder and Britt, and Thunder says it's BS, that's what happened, and Tony Khan makes Britt versus Thunder in San Antonio for in a cage match to prevent outside interference. That's, in my opinion, as your Monday morning quarterback. Well, I'm very excited about this match. Yeah, we did know it was coming, but, you know, sometimes predictability is good. I am really going to show self-discipline this today because the San Antonio show is only seven hours away from me. And you know every fiber of my being wants to be there for uh, Thunder Rosa to win the title. But Floyd will be watching the show from home. Y'all can only, JR, Austin, you can only, you you both actually understand how hard this is going to be for me to miss this match. Yeah, and I bet it's going to hurt for sure. We then go to our main event match, the TNT Championship title versus streak. Sammy Guevara versus uh, the men of the year, Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Since Scorpio Sky has not been beaten in a full calendar year, um, and we had Paige Van Zant, who was also ringside for this match. Um, uh, these two guys, I mean, like, I love Scorpio, and I love the fact that he was getting this shot. Um, they really did a ton of work together and fought off, uh, fought, and eventually early on in the match, in fact, Sammy decided to pull a table out, set up Scorpio outside, tried to go and hit the 630 senton, Scorpio moves, Sammy goes straight through the table, and, like, that table barely had any give because he just fucking crashed through that shit, and it looked like it fucking sucked. And then Ty Conti, Sammy's uh, girlfriend, comes down and checks in, uh, checks up on Sammy, and uh, they try helping him out uh, during the commercial break, but eventually he pushes his way, gets back into the ring. Uh, Sammy gets in the ring and spits in the face of Scorpio Sky, and... Scorpio's beating the hell out of him. Eventually, Paige Van Zandt... Well, Scorpio then uh, brings Sammy over towards Ty and was like, here, give your boy, girl, give your boyfriend a kiss now. Give him a kiss. Here, I'll give him a kiss. And then Paige Van Zandt immediately turns around Tay and gets in her face. So there's a feud right there. Uh, eventually, though, Sammy, despite trying to work his way back into the match, uh, Ethan Page would jump out onto the ring apron. Ty Conti pulled him down. Paige Van Zandt then speared Ty outside the ring. And then Scorpio hit the TKO, and Scorpio Sky is your new TNT champion, the first AW wrestler to hold both the AW World Tag Team title and the TNT championship in their AEW career. And after the match was over, he put that TNT title and ran it into Sammy's head. 
Paige then, uh, uh, Paige Van Zant then proceeded to kick Ty Conti in the head, knocking her out. And uh, she pulled out her AEW contract, put it on Ty's back, and signed the contract on uh, onto Ty's back. Hell of a move there. And now we know that Paige Van Zant is all elite. Um, I'm nothing but happy for Scorpio. I think this is huge for him. And um, considering that, like, Sammy had already had a pretty distinct uh, title run where he had the constant Forbidden Door champions champions challenge him. Um, honestly, I think this this works out. This was the best outcome, and I think Scorpio will be an outstanding heel TNT champion. Um, and he'll be going one on one with Wardlow next week at uh, St. Patrick's St. Patrick's Day Slam. Um, so I will throw it to JR as we talk about this main event. So thoughts on the TNT title match and Scorpio Sky, now your new TNT champion. I thought they had a really good match. I actually liked all of the interference because I think it's going to build for a bigger storyline because, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it. The eventual feud I think was that was going to happen was going to be a Cody and Brandy Rhodes versus Paige Van Zant and somebody of Dan Lambert's camp. I'm not I'm I don't know for sure if it was gonna be Scorpio Sky or if it was going to be Ethan Page or maybe somebody else. But that was what the feud was gonna be. And um it was even Tay even kind of alluded to and she kind of tweeted at Brandy and Cody like, hey, can y'all come back? Cause you guys left these people for us and these people are trash. I can't remember her exact tweet. Um hey, Paige Van Zant has natural charisma. Um, I don't know. And she does have athletic ability. I don't know what her ring work is gonna be, but the good thing about AEW is there are people there that will definitely help her get to a level to where she would if she wants to have uh, a great wrestling, I guess, experience um, in AEW, whether it's Brian Danielson, whether it's William Regal or anybody else on their Thunder Rosa, Serena Deep. So I think that's great. Uh, Scorpio Sky, just from what I've heard and read, this is a long time coming. This isn't something that was done overnight. Like, oh, my God, we got to put the belt on Scorpio. Like, from what I read, this was planned almost a year in advance, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, for him to become TNT champion, and he just, I mean, he looks amazing. He looks like he belongs there. The only thing I wonder is what, uh, on a different note, what does the future hold for all ego Ethan Page? Because he kind of reminds me of, not in the same way, but like, you remember when Edge kind of, when Edge was kind of getting his rise up, from that tag team to become, you know, a top mid card when he became Intercontinental Champion, King of the Ring, and then there's Christian on the side as you know because now the tag teams kind of went they're together but separate now because of the singles run. I just kind of wonder where Ethan Page fits in all this because he's another tremendous talent that, um, you know, he deserves some sort of, you know, plan ahead. So that's my only thing. I'm not saying anything bad or negative, bad or negative. What could happen for Ethan page? I just, uh, I just wonder the, what will happen with him as now Scorpio takes this, uh, you know, goes down the route as a top single star. I mean, I, I just see, I've always seen Ethan as Scorpio's kind of partner, sidekick, heavy, all that stuff. Cause he's the big dude, but Hey, I want to say congratulations to Scorpio sky. And I want to take a big a bit of a victory lap. Uh, 
you know, what I think it was like almost like a year, year or two. We had these people online coming at AEW for lack of black singles talent. Nobody's in a significant position, blah, blah, blah. And it just felt like, and, and Austin was here when I said it. I was like, there was no one signed, and they're building Scorpio Sky. I remember saying that, didn't I? Say, there was no one yes. to sign, and they're building Scorpio Sky. I threw out names like Keith Lee and Swerve. I said, when, when they become available, AEW would sign them. And then they did. And then I said they were building up Scorpio Sky. And what just happened? And then they brought in Jay Lethal. And Jay Lethal. Can I see into the future? Is is that what I did? <laughs> am, I, am I Negro Domus up in here? Maybe, maybe. I mean, or, or it wasn't fucking obvious that what they were doing and what was available. And I was just saying, hey, the information's right there. You're reaching. Okay? Yeah. That's what I, I'm not, I was not special. I didn't read tea leaves. I just looked at what was in front of me and actually saw it for what it was. Scorpio Sky went a year without losing. Was that on accident? You think they just were booking them on dark and just, oh, I didn't know that you went a year without losing. No, every major loss in that little group, Ethan Page took. Every time it was time to lose, it was Ethan Page. When they were going to lose, they lost as a group. Scorpio was protected for a year building to this match. That's called long-term storytelling. So, yes, even when y'all were bitching, Scorpio was planned to be the TNT champ. Now he is the first man in the company to be a part of a tag team and then be the TNT champion. He is only the third person in the company to hold belts. Scorpio has what? He's lost what? Three singles matches in his whole time in AEW? Oh, yeah, that was an accident. They didn't notice that they were doing it. They still hate <laughs> black people. God, y'all are. Yes, I, I, I know. I had the victory lap because I have many DM conversations because I know you can't win an argument on Twitter. So no. I don't put these thoughts on Twitter because you can't win an argument on Twitter. But if you want to come to the podcast and listen, I'll tell you. It, it was going to happen. You just had to give it time. And mm -hmm. we're there. We're there. I don't know how long Scorpio's going to keep the title, whether it's going to be a week, whether it's going to be a year, or somewhere in between. But significant talent is being featured. On Rampage last night, you had four matches. Two are considered, you know, big signings. Keith Lee and Swerve got his main event uh, big signing match. Look at it. Tea leaves, brother. Yeah. Um, now, I do know, because um, um, I know JR mentioned it a, a little bit, um, the way that fans have, uh, I, I, won't, I won't last on it too, for too long, but I know uh, I just had this thought that go th to go through my mind, too, since, uh, Sam since Sammy's no longer TNT champion. I mean, let, like, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Because um, I know that it's looking like Ty Conti's going to be feuding with Paige Van Zandt. But, like, like with the way that the crowd is reacting, uh, or at least people reacting on Twitter more so, people reacting on Twitter, like, a heel Sammy and Ty 
would do fucking gangbusters. Am I wrong? Because, I mean, like, for the love of God, like, people despise these two now. They hate this couple. And I have no problem with it. I don't care about wrestlers' personal lives. You do what you want. Um, and honestly, it's very to me, it's very simple why people are mad. We are all wrestling fans. And I am, I am one to be able to say, and I am proud of saying it, like, it's hot people dating hot people. And we are wrestling fans. Do the math. But if they were hey, here, yourself, I'm fucking hot. Look, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tear people down. If you, if you, if you, if you're feeling yourself as a wrestling fan, feel yourself. No, but I, <laughs> I, I look at myself, and I am a realist. I am a realist. I feel uh, like wrestling fans feel themselves more than the average person. Yeah. You know what? Fair, 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 fair. But <laughs> am I am I wrong in am I wrong in saying that if they decided to have Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti be like a heel? Because I mean, they've had a similar sort of thing with like Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, where it's like two hot people dating each other, and oh, they're they're dicks and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. There's something about when if Sammy Sammy, and, if Sammy did it. Sammy is a natural heel. Just that's what I'm saying. A natural heel. Ty on Twitter, natural heel. I'll say it. I'll say. Let me break it. I'll say it. This is this is the issue. This is why people don't like them. It's because people because wrestling. I mean, I'll go back. People, some people in general, when you are in fandom, they feel like some reason they are personally connected to celebrities. Right. I know this person. I have a right to know what's going on in their lives. And it goes back, and this is what it is. Sammy proposed to his then fiance on national television. Sammy has a vlog. Sammy, some of Sammy's personal life was on his vlog. Then quickly, then it, what happened sometime in October, November, whatever, you know, we stopped, they stopped seeing certain things. Then he announced he broke up with his wife. At the same time, he was spending a lot of time with Tay. So now they say, well, that's fucked up, Sammy. You you cheated on your wife and with Tay or cheat on your fiance with Tay Conte. At the end of the day, while it is while they do publicly put on there and that's their business, you can judge them whatever you want. But at the end of the day, quit acting like these people are fucking perfect. They're celebrities, but before celebrities are human beings. I can I, I I'll just say this. I personally I've I know people who commit who do shady shit. And I said, you know what? That's their business. I don't give a fuck because that has nothing to do with me. And I apologize for cursing, but when I get on these tangents, I start. I can't watch my language. And that's what it is. I don't give a fuck about Sammy and Taste's personal life. They put it out there. I really don't watch their vlog as much as as much as much probably some of these other people do. But quit putting them on a pedestal and just see them as a talent. What they do behind the scenes is their business. You don't know them. You pay 25 30 40 50 bucks for how much it costs to get an autograph and get a photo, move on with your life. If you don't like it, you don't have to comment on it. Mute them, block them, whatever it is. But because of that is why people don't like them. It's, I, I don't see the level of hate, like you said, for Kipper Penelope, for hot people dating hot people, like I do for Sammy and Tate. And I think it's because they want to judge them. And, like, and I always say Kip this, don't judge people. Kip doesn't yeah. win. It, don't don't judge people when you're sitting in a glass house because I can tell you well I've never commit I've I've never done anything like in as far as allegations of adultery but either shit I've done that I'm not proud of either so I'm not gonna sit here and cast stones when I live in my own glass house and so uh, but I but to get back to your original point I do think they have a natural they have a natural heel 
ability because I think Tay could be a great heel. And I think Sammy has that shit eating grin that would make him a great heel again if he wants to become a heel. And moving forward, uh, once they get out of the, let's say, this uh, American top team feud that they are probably going to get into, something could snap and they'll get into like their uh, heel thing where I'm trying to think. Um, oh, I'll give you an example. Like Trish Trash and, and Christian back in after WrestleMania 20. You know, they would do great in that, you know, having that type of relationship. Well, uh, first I want to say, uh, yeah, I want to make it clear. I hate new relationships in general. (laughs) Just in general. I love relationships. I love love. But when, when two people... Attractive, not attractive, whatever. You first get together, and they're always posting, and then they do the pictures of them kissing, and then they do the hearts and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm usually going to check out of their social media for a few months until they get into six to eight months in a relationship. Remind and, me, remind me not to post if I get a girlfriend and not show Floyd. No, 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 and it's fine. I'm not going to get mad. <laughs> See, that's the whole thing. I don't post online about it. I I know what the mute option is for. You know what I mean? Or I know how to unfollow someone if I want. I don't feel the need to comment on anything they do because that's their business. And I understand what they're doing. They're like, you're going to come after me anyway. Might as well just post everything I want to post anyway. And, they're, you know, they're young. They're in love. It's great. Love is beautiful, like I said. But it's a little annoying at first. You know, I was like that with my wife. Don't get me wrong. It's annoying at first. And then people get into their relationship and you get the more, hey, we're at the movies, blah, 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 anniversary. And you get those, you know, the regular posts that you're supposed to get. So enjoy. I am happy for them. Keep loving on each other. Good Lord. They, and it, I, I'm telling you, if I look like them and had abs like them and worked out and probably eat, eat, uh, eat as little food that tastes good as they do, I would take <laughs> pictures of myself all the time because that. That is the results of my hard work. And I don't blame anyone that posts pictures of themselves in that way because, you know what, they worked for that. But on to this, Sammy and Ty are going to move. If they don't go heel soon, they're going to move right into where Cody and uh, Brandy were. Why don't you just turn them heel? Why don't you just turn them heel? Why don't you just turn them heel? So yeah, maybe, maybe Sammy and Ty – end up joining America's top team. Maybe. I don't know. I just want to see where it goes. And they have decided to acknowledge the relationship on the show, which is cool. And like I said, I don't understand acknowledging the relationship on the show. Then let's say they break up, and then you'll ask for privacy. Right. What? Uh Hands are up. I don't understand it. It's either you want privacy or you don't want privacy. Okay. Well, that, I, I think I think it's fair to cut that off right there. I think that's plenty of uh, talk about that whole thing. We'll move over then quickly to uh, AEW Rampage from last from uh, Friday night. We opened up with Darby Allen going one-on-one with Private Party's Mark Quinn, uh, continuing over from what happened with AHFO on Dynamite. Uh, this was a pretty damn good uh, singles match. Um, Mark Quinn deciding to go and pull something almost out of Darby Allen's playbook and hit a 450 splash on the outside onto Darby 
fuck, that looked like it hurt. It looked like it hurt so bad. Um, eventually, though, he tried for a shooting star pre- pre- uh, press, but then Darby was able to get out of the way. He got a Fujiwara armbar, and that made Mark Quinn tap out. They got the win. A- a- the AFO, now named, the AFO then decides to come out and uh, attack Darby Allen and Sting. But Matt and Jeff Hardy comes out to even up the odds, and the AFO immediately backs out and uh, runs away. And Darby is still, like, mouth agape, like, oh, my God, that's Jeff Hardy. Holy shit. I, I love Darby, but the- to me, that's just funny. Just the way that he's just like, I can't believe it. It's Jeff Hardy. Holy fucking shit. It's really funny. I, lo- I lo- And I love Darby, but I can't, en- I can't deny that it's not funny. Uh, JR, we'll go to you. Thoughts on the opening match from this episode of Rampage? Yeah, um, it's one of those things that needed to be done in order to further a storyline. Um, I, I feel like I always say this after we get through a pay-per-view because of so much time before the next pay-per-view. It's just like, just, I wonder where this is going to go. Are we going to get, you know, potentially a big eight-man match? Are we going to get a... Um, you know, a gimmick match. Uh, who's going to be the focus of the rivalry? So, so that's it. Uh-oh. All right, go ahead, Floyd. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, Darby. Uh, uh, I've decided, and we had to make this announcement on the show, that going forward, Darby Allen is my favorite wrestler. Until until the moment or day Cody returns. Darby Allen is my favorite singles he is the, wrestler. He is the placeholder. He, not the placeholder because I don't think Cody's coming back. <laughs> I don't think Cody. I don't think Cody's coming back. I've been calling Monday, March fourteenth, for about three weeks. So that's what I've said. That's the day Cody's gonna walk into uh, WWE. I've been calling it for three weeks. Maybe I'm wrong, but yes, going forward, I realized I've never like not enjoyed a Darby Allen match. I get his character. Uh, he works really hard, so he's my guy now. And this Mark Quinn match with the arm breaker. And not only does he do the arm breaker, he's twisting the fingers at the same time. He's just, every detail that Darby adds to wrestling improves what he does. He never does anything where you think, oh, that was unnecessary. It adds to what he does. And he goes so hard. He go he went as hard in this Mark Quinn match as he does in a main event match on a uh main event match on a dynamite or a match on a pay-per-view. There is no there is no throttled down. He goes level 10 all the time. I can do nothing. Not just respect it, love it. And I was forced to really see what I like in wrestlers after uh Cody abandoned me. And now it's uh yeah, it's it's Darby's time in my eyes. There we go. We'll move over now to Jamie Hayter going one-on-one with Mercedes Martinez. This was tied into the feud with Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Um, as the match was going on, I mean, uh, Martinez uh, was had a pretty strong uh, ability of keeping uh, Jamie Hayter down, but then eventually, uh, as things went on, though, Britt Baker uh, proceeded to uh, di- blindside Mercedes Martinez while Rebel distracted the referee, and that's when Jamie Hader was able to get the pin after hitting a lariat. Um, they tried to add insult to injury onto Mercedes, but Thunder Rosa comes out with a steel chair, chases her out, and that leads into what we'll see on uh, on a St. Patrick's Day Slam. 
So this match was there as a way to uh, continue the build and uh, uh, excitement towards the steel the steel cage match. Um, and I I will say I want I um, I'm glad Mercedes didn't lose he, she didn't lose clean. I would like to see if they could try to like because I mean like this is the second time she's been in AEW like. And I'm wondering, like, are we going to actually try to put a little bit behind her and, like, get her moving up a bit in terms of, uh, like, notoriety in AEW? Or is she just going to kind of be tied to Thunder Rosa? I'm just curious. I don't know exactly what will happen with that. Um, I think Hater getting a win, though, does help her out, um, even if it was a, a, a dusty finish. But regardless, I think it was uh, – this was fine. I don't really got much else to add to that. Uh, JR, you got anything? I think you're going to uh I think Jamie Hayter could potentially be the first challenger for if Thunder wins uh thun, you know for Thunder's title and I yeah. think I think slowly we're going to get to a point where you're going to get what we got with Wardlow and MJF you're going to get the same thing with Jamie Hayter and um Bird Baker. Yeah. I think I think that's the case. Um Floyd go ahead. I think this match left a little to be desired. I I was I've seen, you know, I've seen both of them be better. And I just thought it was just like, I know it was a TV match. They probably weren't supposed to maybe probably do a lot, but I just, you know, was expecting more. But yeah, it was exactly what it needed to be because now it gives a reason for Mercedes to uh, help uh, Thunder on Sunday when uh, when they eventually try to interfere. Yeah. We then got to see the limitless Keith Lee kick the shit out of QT Marshall. Uh, QT would try to do things like gouge out uh, Keith Lee's eyes, but it just it wouldn't work. Keith Lee uh, proceeds to just, uh, yeah, throw him and just knock. He knocks him out of his boots with a with a great clothesline. Uh, the factory tried to get involved with like uh, Nick Camarado trying to get involved. Uh, QT uh, would use that to try to get a little bit of offense, but then eventually Keith Lee would just get a huge shoulder tackle and then just slam him down um, and get the win. Aaron Solo then got in the ring, tried to jump on Keith Lee's back. That didn't work. Nick Camarado came and got a back elbow from Keith Lee uh, and then just got a popped up. He had a pop-up powerbomb on him. Aaron Solo got thrown over the top rope. Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs tried to ambush Keith Lee. Hobbs got hit with a spine buster. Like nobody could stop Keith Lee. Like they are making Keith Lee look unstoppable already early on, and I'm I love it because I think he'll be huge in AEW. Um, and yeah, I think this match did what it needed. It gave more spotlight to Keith Lee, and it like him just going through like all four of those like all four of those guys. Like he took he he beats QT, but then he knocks over Aaron Solo, Nick Camarados, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Like nobody was able to get past this man. Didn't it end with Hobbs uh, spinebusteringly? That's how it ended. Oh no, Hobbs power. No, sorry. Yeah, that's right. I I, I said that completely wrong. But like, uh, Team Taz was still doing stuff. Yeah, powerhouse Hobbs power uh, power bomb Keith Lee. That's my bad. I completely had a that was a mental break on my bad. So no. So after he was able to knock out the factory, powerhouse Hobbs came out and then power bombed Keith Lee. Yeah, Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs were uh, definitely. They were definitely all over him, so that was pretty good. That was my bad, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I like it how they don't make Keith Lee look unstoppable. He can be stopped. It's, it's going to take a lot. It, it, you're going to have to bring that truck with you, but uh, 
he can definitely be stopped. I thought this made it, you know, you get the new guys come in and sometimes they just almost look too powerful. They kind of fixed that with Keith Lee. He looked really good, but hey, he can be taken out. JR, you got anything to add? We're going to get a big, meaty men slapping meat when we get Will Hobbs versus Keith Lee, and I'm all Please. for it. I love those two. I mean, they boys. they teased them already in the ladder match, and they teased like the three way. Like again, like if you don't give us that three way between Wardlow, Keith Lee, and and Hobbs, I, I'm going to be pissed. But yeah, I'm excited for that. We'll move over to the main event now. Shane Swerve Strickland in his AEW debut face offs against Tony Nese, the premier athlete. Um, this was really good. Honestly, I think getting Swerve the main event was great. I think it really helps in terms of just making making uh, giving Swerve a nice spot. Um, and I I like how they put Tony Nese with him, a guy that can work really well with a lot of people. Um, there was uh, some really good stuff in this match. Eventually, uh, just what happened was uh, Tony Nese was uh, proceeded to. Uh, rolled into the middle of the ring and then uh swerve proceeded to uh just completely jump on the top rope stomp on uh tony niece and get the win um they didn't make him look on like like it's like you said didn't make him look unstoppable either uh they made they gave tony niece a lot of offense as well um which is good uh and i think this was a solid close off to the to the rampage to get a uh, shine on strickland because i think he'll he can do a lot of really good things in aew um, and I think it's cool that Tony Nese got this spot as well, too, because I think he's pretty good, too. Um, but, yeah, I guess that, that'll wrap it up for Rampage. Uh, JR, do you have anything you want to say on this main event match? It's what spotlights were. He's your, he's your new free agent signing. You got, you got to spotlight him. That's exactly what they did. I'm going to say they, he looked good. He was in the good, big spot on a uh, big spot on the Rampage on their main event show. I think he could have looked – I know he's not a dominant wrestler. I think he could have won a little more definitively. But you know what? That's nitpicking. I think congrats to Swerve. Glad he's here. Glad to see what they're doing. It looks like he's going to be presented bigger than he is. And I mean, bigger. And don't be surprised if he has, like, a group with him or, you know, something with him. Because it looks like this is not just going to be like, oh, Swerve's a good wrestler. It's going to be, he's being presented differently. Yeah. yeah. No question about it. But that, I think, is going to do it for this uh, Rampage uh, look over. We're going to quickly go over through the matches that have been announced for St. Patrick's Day Slam. Of course, we have Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in the cage match for the women's title. We have Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow for the TNT title. And then Danielson and Mox are going to be teaming up to face off against Chucky e. T and Yuta of Best Friends. Yeah, uh, it's like this almost reads like a dark because it feels like it's going to be pretty straightforward over who wins. Uh, it's like, OK, Thunder Rose is going to win the title. Big event, women's cage match, main event of the show. I, that's huge. But. Honestly, I if you got editing uh, edit I mean betting odds, I'm thinking it's at least four to one. You know, you know, it's like Thunder Rosa is the overwhelming favorite. Uh, Scorpio Sky and Warlow, I think everyone everyone assumes MJF's gonna interfere. They could do a big swerve by Warlow just coming in and dominating Scorpio Sky and just winning. But I think everybody is convinced MJF is gonna interfere. And then uh, Danielson and Mox, come on. You know, c come on. But only thing I can see in this 
Willa Uta was one of the names that he talked about and people that they could take under and get away from the best friends. Maybe they beat the crap out of this match and this rep, uh, has maybe Uta leaving to join Mox and Danielson's group. Which I would be fine with just because I think best friends is already pretty full with uh, uh, Trent, Chucky e. T, OC, and uh, hell, they got Rocky Romero involved in there too for a little bit, but then also you got Statlander. So I think I think Uta going over there would be really good for him. But... Unless, JR, you got anything else to add to this, I think we'll be getting close to wrapping up this episode yeah, of All Things Elite. We are getting close. The only two things is that this whole dynamite is to spotlight uh, MJF, Wardlow, and Thunder going over in a big cage match. Yeah, and I think that'll be given some pretty awesome moments, too, for uh, AEW. But I think that'll wrap it up. The one thing I want to say, too, before oh, I get through... Oh, I did miss a match. They even oh, you did miss a match. Hangman... And uh, Jungle uh, Jurassic Express versus uh, what will be Red Dragon and Adam Cole. I, I, I literally oh, yeah, forgot. Yeah, they yeah, announced yeah. it on the show. We talked about it, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's. I, I mean, I mean, look at look at the six people that are in it. It's gonna be amazing. yeah. You got Hangman, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. Like, yeah. come on. And I think this will. I think these are the next contenders. So I think Cole. And O'Reilly and Fish have to win to lead to them, you know, Cole getting a, ta a title shot and then O'Reilly and Fish getting a tag title shot. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Um, before I go ahead and, and, and uh, wrap things up and uh, run through all the, uh, the, uh, ta the tags and all of our Twitters and everything like that, um, we all at a All Things Elite, we should definitely say, like, massive sending love to Big E. Like, goddamn, man, I feel I feel terrible for that man uh, on SmackDown. He took a really nasty fall uh, from a belly-to-belly -belly suplex from Ridge Hollins and landed directly on his head, had to be stretchered out, and he has, it's confirmed, he has a broken neck. Thankfully, somehow, I don't know how, he doesn't need surgery, and he still, he said his strength still feels all right, and he still can move all of his digits. No, he's not paralyzed, that's bueno. Um, but broken neck definitely sucks. I'm sure he'll most likely miss WrestleMania with this injury. Um, best of wishes to Big E. Get well soon, man. Like nothing but love from over here. Uh, dude is outstanding and just yeah, really tough. And again, it's it's pro wrestling. Like these these things can happen, but it's it's scary when it does. But I'm glad that E's in good spirits because I mean like that that shit's scary. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, don't really watch SmackDown all that much, but uh, you know, I saw all the. Twitter stuff coming down. Uh, you know, I don't ever watch it live. I always watch it in the morning. And I saw all the stuff coming down, and I saw it, and it, it kind of made you know, you, you know, your stomach drops because you know, as a football fan, you, you know, and people that you know, you, you see stuff like that happens, and you know, it could have been much worse than it was. So, my um, definitely, uh, I he reported this morning. Just, you know, it's a fracture, but no spinal cord damage, no surgery needed. I mean, that's the best case scenario. He's probably right. out, he's probably out for a while, which is the last thing that should be on anyone's mind. I'm just glad he's okay. Uh Big E just seems like a genuinely nice person. I mean, I don't I don't ever claim that. Uh, I very rarely claim that about wrestlers because, you know, we don't know them. But good lord, I've just never heard anybody say anything bad about Big E. Just ever. You know, 
Right. And the one thing you hear about Big E's the nicest person in the world. So I, you know, I, unless this is some kind of conspiracy, it seems like this dude's a pretty good guy. Yeah, my heart goes out to Big E. Um, in my previous life, when I was an amateur wrestler, I I had a situation where I got um, I got kind of thrown and I landed on my head, and it was nowhere near what biggie went through but i heard a pop and it was a very frightening situation and to go to see the you know the chain of events when biggie fell i I immediately my heart dropped to my stomach because it was such a nasty a nasty um fall i mean he just got spiked on his head and, and as soon as you see it you see kind of his legs give out and you think you start thinking about people like you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Lita and Kurt Angle and, and, you know, Edge that had these significant neck injuries and how it altered their, you know, their careers and their life. I mean, Austin to this day, I don't think is still normal because of that. And something you start worrying about, um, you know, other situations where if there's a spinal injury, I mean, you know, paralysis and, you know, being a para quadriplegic is, is very frightening. And so to see his videos, he posted on Twitter that he's, you know, he's okay um, even with the fractured neck, and but he sounds like he's going to make, uh, you know, recovery to where, I mean, we're just talking about just quality of life right now. Like we're not even talking about professional wrestling. You know, just be able to walk and 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 do what he loves, which is, you know, exercising. You know, uh, hopefully he makes a fast recovery. But yeah, that was, it, it was horrific. I mean, I can't say it enough. You know, when you see something like that. Yeah. But again, like best of luck to Big E in the recovery. Hope he 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 gets better as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, we're glad we're glad it's it, it's not as bad as it it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But yeah, I'm glad that he's still in good spirits. And yeah, best best wishes to Big E. Hope he's doing okay. But I think that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite, guys. Again, we want to thank Jr. once again for joining us on the podcast. It's always a pleasure for him to be here. Uh, Jr., can you please let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Um, yes, you can find me at Lucha Professor on Twitter. And uh, just real quickly, I want to shout out the Inland Empire, Southern California, for uh, selling 12,000 tickets to the California debut of AEW at the Fabulous Forum. Um, out the that area, the LA area, doesn't necessarily have a good track record for selling out events, especially in, in the forum in Inglewood. So to see that AEW in its first uh, first show in the state of California did 12,000 tickets within 24 hours between pre-sales and regular sales, I think was amazing. That show is going to, I think if it's not sold out, it's very close to selling out. So congratulations to AEW uh, for doing that and uh, hope all the fans are going to enjoy it. I expect them to put on a barn burner, which is essentially in, in the Young Bucks backyard. Yeah. Well, that again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of All Things Elite. Uh, and also shout out to the Detroit show. I know that show's selling well as well. Um, guys, continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating and a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle if you're so inclined. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show completely possible. So check out all the other shows they have on their network. You won't be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. 
Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will go ahead and toss it to my boy Floyd so he can take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Well, Austin stole my ending with the Big E thing because that's what I was going to say. So I'm going to take this moment to shout out uh, one of our fans at David Harmon6 on Twitter. David Harmon reached out, told us, told me how much he enjoys listening to the show and that he can't wait to meet us if we in Chicago, Milwaukee. Let him know we'll, you know, we'll probably be it all out. So, uh, yeah, I, we, we definitely appreciate you listening. Um, we appreciate you listening, David, and you have a good one and I will leave you how I always leave you, whether it is home, work or school, always do your best to be a little.